Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sex Ed Shouldn't Suck. This is Kaylee, and it is just me. Uh, There's going to be a trend of just me doing the intros and outros probably for the rest of the season, so I'm going to just stop saying that it's only me. Yeah, y'all will figure it out. Anyways, this week we are talking to Jeff Eaton, who is one of the hosts of the podcast, The Christian Right Cast. It is a podcast that takes a deep dive into the origins of the Christian right. It is super fascinating. Uh, before we get started, I, <laughs> I just want to tell you guys a story. I spent the first like 10 minutes of this interview calling Jeff Michael. I have absolutely no fucking idea why I thought his name was Michael, but... Yeah, Jeff is a lovely person who is full of grace and kindly corrected me on his name and didn't give me a hard time about it, but I am mortified. (laughs) I just thought you should know that going in. Anyways, this interview ended up being pretty long, so we did split it up into two episodes. This week, it's going to be focused mostly on Michael's, haha, I'm just kidding, I mean Jeff's upbringing in purity culture in the 80s and 90s, and the next episode will focus more on the leaders of the purity movement and the Christian right. Finally, I do just want to warn anyone who is especially triggered around things about sexual assault that we do discuss that a bit in this episode, not in a lot of detail, but if that's going to bother you, just go ahead and uh, skip right on past this one. Okay, that was a really, really long intro of me talking, so I am going to just shut up now and get us into the episode. Enjoy! For joining us, Jeff. We're glad you're here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Awesome. So we start out every episode asking our guests what their pronouns and sexuality are, if you'd like to share. Um, I'm Jeff Eaton, uh, he, him, uh, and I am a heterosexual, cis, white dude <laughs> sitting here on the internet saying stuff. <laughs> I feel like people always say that like a confession these days. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it... <laughs> It, it's sort of like a confession that like, yeah, the perspectives I, I bring are pretty much commodity. You know, it's like they're, they're, there's a lot of us out there mouthing off. So, you know, t- t- take it as you will. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I will say that your content is a lot less toxic than a lot of that white dude content that is out there. So thank you. Considerably less toxic is exactly what I shoot for. Good. <laughs> Good. You're doing a good job. Thank yeah, you. Good job, Jeff. thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> so, um, tell us about what kind of sex education you got growing up, whether that was at school or in your religious communities. So, um, yeah, like it just to give a little bit of background, like yeah. I spent several years in public school, but like starting in fifth grade um, and like through the end of high school, I was homeschooled. So mm-hmm. like right there, you know, I'm going to be a weirdo and like, you know, I'm, I'm th- my perspectives on everything are going to be a little like skewed by that, you know, homeschooler vibe. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I also understand that, like, homeschooling culture can go in so many different directions. And um, I feel pretty fortunate in that, like, you know, my family was, you know, loving and supportive. And, you know, like, we were surrounded by, <laughs> well, I always thought of them as, you know, fairly, you know, straightforward and, you know, nice, decent mm-hmm. people. Um, but I had like a group of, you know, other, you know, friends my age who were also homeschooled in the area. And I lived mm-hmm. in a place where there was like a critical mass of enough people who were homeschooling, mm-hmm. like in the late 80s, early 90s, that mm-hmm. I wasn't like, you know, the stereotypical lone kid, you know, who didn't, you know, who never socialized or anything. You know, I, <laughs> I got a chance to hang out, but it was also like 90% other homeschoolers in the area. So there <laughs> yeah. was definitely like a um, uh, sort of a you know cultural or like ideological homogeneity to the group that I was in. Um, and yeah. a real sort of blurring between that, like, you know, school culture and church culture and family culture um, that I think even if it's not an intentional like attempt to control or restrict the environment, um, you know, by their parent, by a homeschooling parent, you know, even if that's not intentional, it, it takes a lot of work not to drift into that just because of that, you know, that fact. So 
I think that was a big aspect of it, um, of sure. like, you know, how I see, you know, what sex ed looked like because, you know, a, a group of Christian homeschooled students, there wasn't sex ed, you know, like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I had a set of Encyclopedia Britannicas. Um, so, you know, being, okay. being a nerd, you know, I was like, okay, you know, okay, well, look up, you know, what is sex? You know, and, you know, you're like watching the nature documentaries. You're like, yeah, oh, I guess and, that's also how humans do it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's like in, in that sense, you know, it's like on the one hand, for an introspective, you know, an introverted nerd in, mm -hmm. you know, America, there are certainly more traumatic ways to like start trying to figure out like, okay, how do people work? What is, you mm -hmm. know, what's the body like? How does sexuality work? And, you know, looking it up in the encyclopedia and mm -hmm. not having like a bunch of classmates, you know, taking it as a big joke or, mm -hmm. you know, for sure. Heckling you for being the weird person on the outside of some dynamic or whatever. Um, but on the other hand, um, it means that, you know, there really is a dearth of outside perspectives. And if there's any kind of unbalance or um, even, you know, lack of knowledge on how to even approach communicating complex and difficult topics, mm -hmm. um, you know, from, you know, on the part of parents or whatever, you just kind of left to figure it out on your own. And sure. I think that is difficult because my parents, although I think, you know, they, they were, you know, kind, supportive, well-meaning, um, they didn't necessarily grow up in an environment where that was something that was talked about openly. Mm -hmm. They didn't necessarily yeah. have extremely specific, coherent, formed ideas about how one ought to do this. So it just sort of drifted into osmosis and absorbing the church culture that mm. I was a part of to sort of sure. pick up the cues and the lessons from sermons and what people seemed to treat as okay and treat not as okay and stuff like that. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> I can't get over the fact that looking up sex terms or bodily parts in an encyclopedia is almost like Googling <laughs> them. I, well, it, like, you know, it was around, you know, I was like 12 and, you know, it's was like, well, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think Freud is really weird and I don't <laughs> buy a lot of what he thought, but good to know, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> your, your intro to sex ed is like penis envy. <laughs> like, I was um, like, I just, I don't know about this. I, this just seems like a stretch, but, you know, maybe another time I'll look into this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. So, you said that you sort of absorbed uh, Christian culture and attitudes around sex through life, being part of that community. So, what exactly... You know, if you had to... If you had to put a framework around it now... I mean, it. I... Hands down, it's what we would now describe as purity culture. Mm -hmm. Like that was that was the ethos that I was, you know, neck deep in. Even though at the time, I don't think you know, I certainly didn't have a name for it other than just, oh yeah, you know, we're Christians. We're you know, this is this is cool. We're you know, we're learning stuff. Um, and also, like to be honest, I was definitely like growing into one of the. Um, sort of on fire culture warrior kids, like right <laughs> around the time of like the sea with the pole, you know, mm -hmm. prayer in school protests and, you know, stuff like that, where there was a real push to frame the concept of like abstinence and standing up against secular culture as like a radical, you know, you know, like, a radical act to stand against, you know, this, you know, the yeah. norm. And I mean, you know, when you're, you know, young teenager, like, Hey, that, that sounds cool. And you don't necessarily have tools to like really deconstruct any of the, the nitty gritty details of it. And yeah. you're trying to figure things out. So, you know, mm -hmm. you're fairly credulous and you're like, okay, even if everybody seemed, even if lots of people seem to disagree with this perspective that, you know, I'm, I'm taking in, that's just because it's radical. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
it being purity culture, you know, a lot of the messages were about, were entirely focused on um, cataloging and identifying um, behaviors to avoid and the trappings of like secular dating relationships that, you know, how badly they could go and, you know, why to, why to steer clear of that stuff. Um, and I, I think, that, you know, there's a degree of like that, that's absurd and, you know, kind of ridiculous when you look back at it. We'll probably talk about why <laughs> later <laughs> uh, when we unpack a couple of those things. But the other side of like the, the other portion of purity culture that I think goes a lot deeper for a lot of the people who were, you know, who were a part of that is about really deeply internalizing this sense of shame and getting people to self-police behaviors rather than you know so that no one has to deal with discussing these uncomfortable things and getting people to internalize a degree of shame Mm -hmm. that prevents them from ever asking uncomfortable questions i think is a real defining part of that culture that you know it, it left a real mark on me for a long time and it took a long time to like to tease apart not just what I believe, but like what perspectives I'd taken from that without even realizing it, even after I like left the church, you know, figuring out Mm -hmm. what core beliefs and convictions I had about how to approach relationships had just sort of coasted from that. Mm -hmm. Wow. You gave me chills. (laughs) That was such a, (laughs) that was such a, a, a part of it I've never really totally thought about before. The fact that you teach people to self-police so that nobody even talks about it. It's like, yeah, that's totally what's happening. And I mean, and this is something that, you know, my, uh, my partner and I have talked a lot about the, the idea that it's a culture that in a lot of ways, not just purity culture, but like authoritarian, you know, beliefs and high control, you know, high control groups. Um, you know, it, it feels like in a lot of ways they're hardest on earnest people who take it seriously and the ones who seem to get out and with a sort of like blessé, oh yeah, that was, that was dumb. I'm past that, you know, or whatever are the ones who like, didn't, didn't really sink their teeth into into it and say, okay, I really want to be a good person. I want to be a decent person. I want to do what's right. I need to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it's like the more serious you, the more seriously you take those kinds of ambiguous and, and really self-abusive lessons, you know, the harder it is. Mm-hmm. So you were really on fire. <laughs> oh, that, that's a phrase. I, I, <laughs> on fire for God. A, Am I yeah, triggering you? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, I, I, I hadn't anticipated it. I had it written down in my notes, but man, you hear that phrase, you were really on fire. Right. And yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah so yeah and ironically like trying to unpack some of this stuff as a like 16 or 17 year old who wanted to go into like communications and media and maybe journalism or whatever when i graduated in order to spread this message in order to you know push back against what the world was saying about you know sex and relationships i i took that really seriously and I wanted Mm -hmm. to do that. And ironically starting to unpack the why underneath a lot of these ideas so that I could communicate it. And so that I could convince other people was what really started the unraveling of a lot of the beliefs that I had when I started asking questions and finding out that the answers were really terrible ones. Like just, (laughs) you know, just like that doesn't even make sense that, you know, this is, this is, this is awful. Um, and like, that was one of the, you know, sort of, you know, crumbled bricks in that, in, in that ideological wall that I'd sort of built around, you know, being a super on fire kid. And, um, you know, the, the common narrative inside of purity culture is that people leave it when they are incredibly horny and want to justify doing sinful, sexy things. Mm-hmm. And 
that doesn't really match with a lot of the people that I know who have come out mm-hmm. of that. It's, you know, it's a lot of the ones who were most affected by it took it very seriously and cared mm-hmm. a lot and wanted earnestly to do a good job at being a person. <laughs> and this was a part of that. And, you know, they left it when they realized this is actually toxic and, and very unhelpful when you're trying to figure out life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. You were just saying that the assumption is people leave uh, purity culture or leave the church when they want to do sinful, sexy things. But I have also found that sometimes people just get fucking married because they want to have sex at like 19. And then yeah, they... that's, that's a whole nother. <laughs> whole, whole There's other a thing. lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. And then they're either compatible with their partner or they're unable to shed the aim that they have been has been drilled into them for the last entirety of their lives and that stuff is always sadder to me but you know what yeah. do i know um <laughs> or, or they only really discover like by their 30s or 40s that you know wait a minute i built this relationship on the fact that we were both young and horny and <laughs> Wow. That's not that's, a good foundation. You know, it's the times can change. You can develop a new, you know, you can develop new and rich connections with people that no one would have expected. But like it it is weird how the the like the cultural pressures in in that world really do push people towards that. Yeah. 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 So I know You've also mentioned quite a few books that you read growing up. I didn't read a lot of purity culture books, but I know Kaylee did. So I'm going to pass this one to her <laughs> and you guys can chat about books. I think you have you mentioned it in your podcast, the Christian Right cast, about how you were super into a lot oh, yeah. of the, the, the Christian books. I mean, you guys had a, a few episodes just on the like apocalyptic <laughs> Christian <And> literature. but <laughs> Collecting bad rapture novels is still a hobby, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like when I was in my early teens and, you know, like super on fire, quote unquote, like, (laughs) um, you know, I had like the classic traditional, you know, there was one of the girls in my homeschooling group and she liked me and I liked her and, you know, we were like 13. It's like, what's going to happen? You're going to, you know, (laughs) going to go to the library and you're going to talk a lot and could be awkward and blush a lot. You know, it's like, this isn't a complicated Mm -hmm. thing, but. (laughs) Um, what happened at the time was, um, her family, um, went to, uh, one of Bill Gothard's, uh, seminars and oh, no. it, they were, they were shaken up by it. Like they were deeply rattled, um, because going into that, they'd sort of, you know, thought, oh, well, this is cute. You know, they, they like each other and Bill Gothard's whole thing at the, you know, in the particular seminar that they were going to was like this hard sell on as parent, as godly parents, it's your job to protect your daughter's heart and you need to make sure that no one ever comes near her and she doesn't, you know, (laughs) go to the library with boys or, you know, spend unsupervised time with, you know, members of the opposite sex until she's married. So they want parents to be Disney villains and stick oh, it, their daughters up in towers. <laughs> quite literally. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not even a joke. Like, just for context, Bill Gothard is, like, the Duggars follow his teachings. Like, yeah. they're, he's pretty extreme and uh, extreme modesty standards and extreme, you know, courting standards. It's, like, the most most fundamentalist you can you can think of, pretty much. Yeah, and like a lot of the a lot of people in purity culture will point to like Bill Gothard as like, oh well, of course we're not like that as like sort of the <laughs> you know the marker of being kind of out there. Um, but like, I mean, it, I, I think it was interesting because I I didn't come into contact with his stuff by mm-hmm. like my parents trying to impose it on me or you know my church teaching me um and even her family was very conflicted about it and you know said you know oh well we really like you you know we think you're great but you know boy we you know we we signed this pledge before god and you know like oh my gosh you know, it's, it, it was it was a very weird experience in retrospect they were having this conversation with a 13 year old child at the time oh, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. And, and you know, pledge. they, talk, they Sorry, talked to Jeff. my parents about it and stuff like that. And, and I think like in the context of, you know, fundamentalist Christianity, it's about mm-hmm. as well as that scenario can be handled. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, 
but it, it was a, it was kind of rough. And I'm saying this from the perspective of the kid who just liked the girl. Yeah, I, yeah. I, like nothing ever happened between you guys. I'm sure it even crossed your well, mind. Well, and really. I, I'm, I feel like I'm not even qualified to talk about like what it was like to be on her side of that, and oh, sure. to suddenly have like the, you know, the glass, you know, jar dropped on you and be told congratulations until you're 18. You know, you you gotta, you know, be under the lid here and never never have contact with another, you know male human being again besides your um, father <laughs> yeah and and that was what got me started on like power reading through like all of bill gothard's books and every book on dating and every book on relationships i could get my hands on because as like a hyper fixated adhd nerd kid you know <laughs> i was determined that i was going to figure this out i was going to figure out what the right way to mm -hmm. approach this was and either disprove bill gothard or you know if he was right i'd buckle down and do things the right way but you know interesting I, I, so, so i like took in <laughs> tons of different re, you know stuff that people were re writing at the time mm -hmm. um and yeah it's weird what like, what are some of the books you remember that are going to stick so, out to you? Yeah, J J there's a guy named John Holtzman who wrote a book called uh, Dating with Integrity um, mm -hmm. that I think came out in like the very early 90s, maybe late 80s. Um, and, you know, it's still like, you know, purity culture type stuff in that it presupposes that like, you know, well, perhaps handholding is fundamentally sinful and you should not do oh that God. until, you know, until you're <laughs> married. But at the same time, like, I can still look back and like, it's one of the only books in that genre that felt reasonably earnest and approachable. And <laughs> like the way he, you know, the way he wrote about it was sort of like, well, if, if we're, if we're going to take this seriously, then, you know, let's figure out how, and, you know, this is how I tried to live. And, you know, my wife actually thinks I went a little bit far and laughs at the, you know, the stuff that I, you know, did while we were dating and stuff like that. So it was like, it, like in the, in the genre that is usually very heavily dominated by like a sort of culture war vibe, mm -hmm. he wrote at it from a, the perspective of someone who like was very earnestly trying to figure out how to be a decent person having relationships with other people and although a lot of the rules he was trying to live by in that process were deep purity culture assumptions about what was okay and not okay yeah at the very least it felt like the why he was always articulating came from a place of concern and care and wanting to be a decent person which is the best you can hope for in that in that world i, I guess I, I have a hard time really separating any of i mean the the books that i read all feel like they fall back on the argument of oh well you know god wants you to keep sex for when you're married because it's going to be better and if if you do it beforehand you're ruining a special gift oh, yeah. like it, it's and it's very much what you said earlier like a culture war kind of thing and <laughs> and mm -hmm. <laughs> like at, right after I sort of did that deep dive is when it felt like there was a new wave of books and writing about that that started yeah. coming out. Mm -hmm. um, because I that when I sort of went on that research binge at like 13 was right around when um, courtship and yeah. oh even <laughs> edging up against arranged marriage conversations were starting to become like... Mm -hmm. Topics of discussion in like <laughs> fundamentalist homeschooling communities and like now. I would say even outside of that, like like really, wow, okay. I don't well, have any visibility into what pop culture was like at that I, period. Of time, other than I got into these books MTV. when I was in, I, I was in my teens around that age as well, but mm -hmm. that was in the early to mid two thousands, and I was not homeschooled. I was at a church that and a church camp that was very extreme with their beliefs as well, but I wouldn't call them. Ugh, I don't know if I'd call them fundamentalist homeschool groups. Maybe the church camp I was at, but it was very <laughs> much like. They were preaching the whole thing of courtship and your parents being involved in the process. And I mean, it does, it skirts right up to that line of arranged marriages without calling it. They would never call it that. But yeah, I, I remember going to a homeschooling conference around that time. And one of the like sessions that I decided not to attend was <laughs> like, what about arranged marriages? And it's like, 
nope, just going to nope <laughs> out on that on, on that conference session. But, Pretend um, that one wasn't even on there. Just gonna. Yeah. Um, but like that idea of like the the like the meme the the idea that not just sexuality but like the concept of dating entirely and yeah. like a whole modern approach to how members of the opposite sex ought to relate to each other mm-hmm. was fundamentally like the fruit of a poisoned tree and it yeah. was our responsible to like responsibility to unpack where it had gone wrong and how to get back to the right way of doing things and like mm-hmm. if that meant arranged marriages so be it if that meant you know whatever that meant you know who knows but it's our mm-hmm. job to figure out what went wrong and like that's where it feels like that culture war vibe really mm-hmm. became a part of um a, a part of like you know in the 50s you know it was like you know stuff about oh date around and you know don't go steady too early and <laughs> and then it turned into like you know if anybody tells you to use a condom, they're from Satan. Like, whoa, <laughs> that escalated rapidly. Yeah, I so I grew up fairly religious, but not not in super fundamentalist or evangelical circles. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm confused about what what exactly people thought was wrong with dating like what were they trying to protect you from was it just the the copious amounts of sex that clearly everyone else was having or was it like the your emotional the emotional (laughs) aspect like what what are they trying to save you from i mean uh, that's one of those things that you know it took a lot of time to unpack what i thought the answer to that was because there's the Mm. the official line you know there's like the the reason that is offered for why this is important and then there's the dynamics inside of a given culture an ideological Mm -hmm. group that make it a very important thing and then there's like the theological undercurrents that are used to sort of justify or backstop that like ideological presupposition and like I think probably the one big thing in purity culture, like underneath everything else and the big divide that I think makes it hard to even comprehend when you're in purity culture, you know, it Mm -hmm. makes it hard to comprehend what the alternative even is, is that whether something is okay or not okay has nothing to do with like, your desires or consent or anything like that. That's like literally irrelevant. Maybe, maybe it comes into play. What's the, the factor that makes something okay or not okay is whether it is something that God has said is pure and acceptable. And like, so if it, if it exists underneath this umbrella of like a heterosexual marriage, Mm. Sure, whatever. And there may be side conversations where lots of people argue about, well, we don't actually mean that. Even that's not okay for married people or whatever. But like, ultimately, (laughs) those are sort of like side skirmishes in the big idea of like purity, like sexual purity isn't even something about your body. It's about your internal self and your orientation towards the your own pleasure and Mm -hmm. the people you're attracted to and your job is to always make sure that that internal state of who you are and what you desire and what you're seeking is only aligned with what is good and pure and you know it it sounds really, really complicated for oh, anyone yeah. to maneuver, let alone like a teenager. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's no way to unpack that. I mean, the, the, and, and I think that's one of the challenges, that there is yeah. no way, if you actually take it seriously, to conceptualize a way to be okay mm-hmm. with being somebody who is attracted to members of the opposite sex or members of god forbid the same sex (laughs) or you know it's just there's there's not even a framework for understanding how you could be okay Mm -hmm. man that makes me sad (laughs) the way that it was always presented to me particularly in books that i read was that you 
have to protect your heart because it is this really special God created thing and you have this really special relationship with yourself and with God. And if you share that with somebody before you're married, you risk tarnishing it, mm-hmm. which is so crazy because that basically like, this is what I'm saying with the fact that they don't call it arranged marriages, but it is because how the fuck are you supposed to get to know this person that you're going to marry without Dating them dating. and getting to know them. I'm not Just even a saying having sex. Tremendously awkward series of job interviews <laughs> <laughs> with your dad there. Yes. Yeah, and you can't yeah. shake hands because that is a little too close to holding hands. Sorry, HR said there's no handshaking, <laughs> um, but it's been great. Maybe next week, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll tie the knot. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I know Kaylee and I both got, as women or girls growing up in purity culture, got uh, a lot of intense shame around anything related to sex and sexuality to the point that Kaylee has a story where she thought that things that clearly would not lead to pregnancy, like any sort of intimacy that was not sex, could could actually get her pregnant. Like that's how (laughs) shamed and, and like not understanding a lot of us were around sex and sexuality because of this, but um, wondering what boys and men got in this culture, because from the, from the outside looking in, it seems like they got a lot of, or some messages around like being the leader of their household or like needing to lead their wife or whatever, but there must've been also shame around that. What's so like, you know, there's, there's so many different, like, angles to purity culture and like deeply patriarchal roles and gender essentialism is definitely one of them. So like, that's just like soaked deep into the messaging in so many different Mm -hmm. ways. Um, But even beyond that, there's like really, really deeply conflicted (laughs) messages for, for guys. Um, the that like totalizing purity framework where like what you were seeking wasn't simply treating other people decently what you were seeking was not just avoiding doing certain bad things but like a full transformation of everything that happened inside of you into like a beacon of monastic you know purity mm-hmm. you know i don't think many human beings do well with that and like yeah Yeah. the the only people i know who've come out of that without a lot of like real real scars specifically related to that later said like oh yeah well since then i've just discovered i'm I'm asexual you know so i was totally able to pull off what they said everybody's supposed to do but then once i was old enough that i was supposed to start trying to cultivate some relationship with someone well then i you know i was treated like i was doing it wrong then because i didn't want to flip that switch at the time when it was then allowed um wow or even encouraged (laughs) yeah exactly And, and like that's that whole idea of it's not just you avoid doing things it's you are supposed to live a life where that desire is not even really on the table. It's just, you've Mm. transcended it, but then the switch magically flips and Mm -hmm. now you're in the right context where now it's okay. And it's pure and God ordained. So now you're supposed to be all for it and and, and understand how this relationship works. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) And, Ironically, like the the messages that came through as a guy that I sort of sort of picked up and you know mm-hmm. understood as ah this is important I got to pay attention to this were real heavy on um, the idea that like the masculine ideal of our culture is uh, an, an abusive and exploitative, um, you know, essentially a sexual, pre- a predatorial, like, uh, um, kind of relationship with women. Mm. And that was treated as a terrible thing. And I think 
to a certain degree, it's like, this is one of the reasons why I think people can find it so confusing is they're trying to like find the boundaries of what was unhealthy and what mm. was not. It's like, there's so much talk about caring for other people and not taking advantage of them and not mm-hmm. treating them like uh, sexual objects and, you know, instead, you know, loving who they are. They're like, ostensibly, those are good things, but sure. the experience of being a sexual human being is then equated to all of those predatory and mm-hmm. abusive yeah. or exploitative ways of relating to other people. And once that conflation is you know, happens, it's, it's very difficult to untangle, like, what's the line between just being a human being and being abusive. And as I was coming out of that, like some of the, some of the stuff that in my early, like, sort of post-Christian reading that felt the most comfortable was actually um, certain, like, radical feminists who were, like, Mm. you know, putting forward the idea that, you know, all sex is fundamentally exploitative. And it was like... Intellectually and ideologically, I don't know how to like. I I don't know if I roll with this, mm. but it was comfortable. It like mm. it felt like it, it it slotted right into a way of thinking about the relationships between men and women that I think it's you wouldn't necessarily expect that connection to be there, but that like very deeply antagonistic view towards any kind of sexual connection between people is a baseline there. And I I think that is often drilled into guys in that culture, but it's also weirdly, it like plays weirdly with the, like the boys will be boys vibe. It's also pervasive when patriarchy and gender essentialism is so baked into the culture too. So it's, it's sort of like this, this schizophrenic approach to, you know, what do we actually think about what a man ought to be and how mm-hmm. they ought to be towards others that uh, there aren't any good answers, just lots of answers about what you shouldn't be. <laughs> lots, lots more questions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's always a trip to sort of unpack the parts of purity culture that are also predatory, like, you know, making sure that people don't have any dating experience, um, especially especially girls and women, and they have no experience whatsoever, really sets them up to be preyed upon as well because they don't know what they like. They don't know what to look for in another partner. They just know that their husband are supposed to lead them or their father is, and then they get handed off to their husband. And I'm sure it's similar for for men as well. They they also don't get a lot of dating experience. Well, and and we talked a little bit earlier about the idea that, like, because purity culture is so deeply invested in the idea of – something is okay or not okay based entirely on this like constructed idea of pure and acceptable contexts for being Mm -hmm. a sexual human being. And the idea of consent is like toxic to that ideology because the idea that something would be okay or not okay based on whether you want it or not is like a rejection of that hierarchical authority for determining Mm -hmm. whether it's okay. So all of the people that I grew up with in that culture, like none of us even had a vocabulary for talking about the idea of something being non-consensual. And years back, I was, when I was trying to unpack this, I, I was, I wrote a lot about it just as I was trying to chew on it, but it's like everyone understands well sure you know we all kind of want to have sex we're you know, we're like 17 you know of course right. but no good person chooses to <laughs> so everyone even peers of mine who were having sex understood that there was like this theater of um going too far and then Mm -hmm. expressing regret and sorrow and maybe breaking up in some big display of like, (laughs) Oh, we need to go spend time with God and get right, you know, about (laughs) what happened. And then, and then you're dating again and Oh, you know, the, the cycle repeats and, and 
So even people who were having sex understood this is something that no you aren't supposed to want to. You aren't supposed to choose it. Um, mm-hmm. And I like there was a, a friend of mine who you know, I was talking to them, and they explained straight faced that it was better to have sex, to have unprotected sex, than to actually have a you know to use a you know a condom or contraceptives or anything like that because that would imply like premeditation yep my friend said that too oh my (laughs) god it's like wow i i can't imagine a worse conceptual framework for teaching (laughs) teenagers how to relate in healthy ways and but like the the thing that started started i started seeing was as people in this like in my cohort of friends got older and started moving into different contexts like going to college or you know or whatever they some like when they were sexually assaulted it took them years to realize that that is what had happened or mm-hmm. to even know how to unpack the fact that they were some they they had wanted to have sex but didn't not maybe not then or you know they 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 didn't know how to navigate that and that sort of weird complicated guilt that they walked away from it from was exactly what everyone had grown to understand was just what it was mm-hmm. like yeah. even if you did want it that was the that was the display you were supposed to go through even if you did decide, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sleep with, you know, my partner or whatever. And it, it, it occurred to me that like, this is a system for training people to not understand consent at all. And then mm-hmm. firing them off into the world and saying that their commitment to purity is going to keep them safe. And it, it just, it, I, I find it just heartbreaking and staggering and like, and infuriating every time I think about that because you know the the terminology and the the marketing gloss on purity culture continues to evolve and like remake itself every couple of years but that underlying factor is still the same yeah it (laughs) that that really struck me what you said because I know for me I'm still working through a lot of these things I have trouble understanding what I genuinely want in a sexual situation because I was trained through purity culture to shut that down be like oh yeah. I want to have sex with this person well that's wrong like my what I want what like my consent in this particular sexual situation doesn't matter God's it's consent your, it's fundamentally irrelevant it's yeah like, yeah exactly and it's like it, that there's that <laughs> meme of like you know uh, what is it like? You know, there's two people who've given consent, but another who has oh, Jesus <laughs> doesn't think this is okay. It's like, yep. the, it's like, yeah, oh that, God, that's is he like lurking in the background. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's literally the, the JPEG. Yeah, it, it's oh it, it's a terrible it's meme, but it's hilarious, darkly hilarious. It's accurate <laughs> though. It's like that's exactly what the, what is taught in that situation. <laughs> and and I mean, I I think it that. That idea of consent, you know, you can't consent to what God doesn't approve of. That's just impossible. You know, it's, it, it, it ties in with this idea of like autonomy and ownership of self. Like mm-hmm. you owe a pure body and a pure mind and a pure heart to your future spouse. That is their due as, your, as their spouse. And it isn't even yours to make decisions about it's yeah. something you will owe them in the future mm-hmm. um like the whole you know hot married sex is the payoff for pure living when you're a teenager like idea is just the sort of it feels like the marketing clause <laughs> on that underlying idea of you are not your own mm-hmm. yeah yep <laughs> I'm like, 
sorry. Sorry, that turned into like a, a, a deep rant. No, <laughs> I. It's, That's it's, what we want to hear. It's very much speaking to me and a lot of my experiences. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, I'm just curious before before we move on to kind of the next slew of questions about kind of the Christian right and everything. I'm just curious as far as so I, I know as a woman in purity culture, there is a lot preached about how critical virginity was, and if if you do something, you can't go back. Or you you know it's it's you can like God will forgive you, but it won't really be the same. Did you get that same kind oh, of yeah, messaging absolutely. as well? You know, okay, it, it, yeah. it's. Even if there were a different way to sell purity culture, I think it's like that th those kinds of messages are so just baked into the way that fundamentalism and evangelical Christianity knows how to articulate it yeah. that I don't think it's ever going to really go away. Um, like the the horrible like chewed bubblegum analogy <laughs> that <Yep>. like <laughs> I, I was never there like in a classroom when somebody actually did that, but like that formulation of like what being pure is mm -hmm. it's like oh it's like you're a piece of bubble gum in the wrapper you've never been chewed <laughs> and you know it took years to start thinking about like so that means we're consumable snacks for other <laughs> people this is i don't know about the, the nuances of this metaphor. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think we, you know, as as guys, we got a lot of those same messages, just in a very different, like, um, the flavor of it was always different. Because, you know, inside yeah. of purity culture, there's an awareness of the fact that they're kind of, for guys at least, they're cutting against masculine stereotypes in broader popular culture in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. So they sort of have to sell like the countercultural appeal of being like, uh, you know, a strong warrior who stands above it all and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Repackaged masculinity. <laughs> it, it, and that's exactly what a lot of it is. It's like the ability to stand fast against temptation is framed as like, you know, depending on who you're, you know, who you're hearing it from, either what it, you know, this is what a modern man does if he, you know, that's how you become like a, a brave knight in shining armor is to, you know, stand fast against temptation or, you know, like a fight club style. This is how you, you know, spit in the eye of modern culture and consumer culture. You say no to all the sex that's being sold to you to sell toothpaste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but under the surface, it's still the same fundamental message of shame and, yeah, you know, and, and totally. uh, a lack of personal autonomy. And yeah. the consequence of that is that no one is ever actually told about how to actually have a healthy, supportive relationship, even mm -hmm. without sex being the central topic of it. Like, so how do you have a mutual and supportive and, you know, positive relationship with another person it's like it's sort of treated as something that will just sort itself out as long yeah. as you don't go wrong and i i don't know that they really push it as a mutual relationship like in some ways they call it that but everything that i remember learning was about you know the basically jesus being or god being the ultimate authority and then the man being the next level of authority like the three umbrellas illustration yeah. you know it's yeah it, <laughs> And there's a book called Wild at Heart. Yep. Um, that, yeah, it's like it's it's it, it, it it's extreme cringe in in retrospect, but like it's very much this you know men should go out there and climb mountains and you know catch big fish and like you know beat up lions and woo women because women want to be you know they want to be the princess who's yep. you know caught by the knight or whatever goofy braveheart flavored metaphor the author wants to talk about and yeah it's like it's it's like very very low rent you know pop culture <laughs> you know ideals of masculinity and it's shocking how shallow a lot of the vision of like what you're supposed to actually be inside mm -hmm. is other than don't do this stuff yeah 
Yeah, exactly. We don't even say exactly what stuff, but just (laughs) you know the stuff. (laughs) But you know, you have to, you have to make sure you don't do it though, or else you will be ruined forever. This imaginary (laughs) back to the whole. It's not just the acts; it's about the state of your heart. Because if you're asking where the line is, that just means. You want to you want to figure out how you far go you right can up, yeah. go and just mm-hmm. go right up to it. If you were really pure in your heart, you wouldn't even be asking. Wow! It's like yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> this is this is how classic con artists work, mm-hmm. not just you know purity culture. It feels very gaslighty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, everyone, that is where I'm going to cut this interview off for today. I hope you enjoyed Jeff's interview and personal insight as much as I did. While you wait for the next episode to come out, I encourage you to go check out his podcast, The Christian Rightcast. I will link it here in the description. It's really useful information, and the way that Jeff and his co-host Kristen tie all the history and all these different people from the Christian right together, uh, I just find it really helpful, especially if you're trying to understand some of like the origins uh, of the really scary shit that you see in the news more and more. So go give that a listen. Next week, we are going to be talking about some of those people and all about more of the history of the Christian right and the motivations around it. So definitely come back for next week's episode. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want to say hi, you can reach out to us via email. That's hello at sexedshouldntsuck.com. You can also contact us via our website. That's sexedshouldntsuck.com. Look us up on Instagram or Twitter if you want to follow us on social at Sex Ed Shouldn't Suck. Um, If you're looking for other ways to support us, check out our Patreon. We have all kinds of different tiers for support, including one where you can get your name mentioned right here on the podcast. And uh, I'm going to use this opportunity to shout out Bill, who is one of those supporting subscribers. So thank you, Bill. As always, you are a lovely human and we appreciate you to the moon and back. Finally, I want to thank Kent for mastering our sound. We really appreciate his work to make us sound good. I guess I haven't... There's a Substack too. If you want to, if you want to follow our newsletter, please go check out our Substack. Uh, it's called That Time of the Month. I think you can also find it via our website. I got to be honest, I haven't been keeping up with it the best lately. I've just been... I've been struggling. (laughs) I've been struggling, but uh, I will keep going. I do really, really like doing it. So please just go ahead and sign up for it and you will get occasional emails from me all about sex ed around the United States and different things that we're doing over here on the podcast. So again, that's on Substack, that time of the month for sex ed shouldn't suck. Uh, Yeah, really appreciate y'all listening. I know this season's been a little wonky, but uh, We just, you know, we're doing our best and we love and appreciate y'all. So talk to you soon. Bye-bye. We are going to, we have like a little blurb in the beginning of our show where we introduce the person. So we'll be doing that and we'll totally (laughs) say your name. Get your name right. (laughs) All good. All good. Changing it in our outline right now. We'll we'll fix it in post. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be it's like, be everyone, welcome, Jeff, <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> <laughs>